Pode ir, Cléo. Good morning. It's good to see everyone that is here. It's good to see some um, new faces in the audience. You are our honored guests, and we're glad that you are here. It's good to see familiar faces in the audience. It's good to see the faces of those that maybe have been out sick or traveling back here with us. It's good to see you know, all the kids we have in the audience here. We are blessed to have a lot of young people in this congregation as well. Um, before we get into our lesson this morning, I want to make one quick announcement. Um, don't normally like to begin lessons with announcements, but... Um, as you're aware, um, Owen and I are scheduled to travel to Guatemala on Thursday morning. It came up really fast, and maybe you forgot about it, but we are going to be traveling there to work with a Bible college there that's kind of overseen by Hawatha Jones and Byron Benitez, two missionaries that we support um, from this congregation. Now I'm going to be doing some teaching there, and then we're going to do some different forms of community outreach. But the big question everybody keeps having is, what about the volcano there, right? Because there's been a massive volcano eruption in Guatemala, and it is a scary situation. Um, our location where we're going to be in Guatemala City is about 30 miles from that volcano. To put it in perspective, that'd be like the entrance to Sequoia National Park is the top of the volcano, and the villages that were wiped out were three rivers. Okay, so um, not that far away, but we are outside of where they're saying it's potential danger. Um, we're in an area that's a valley like this, uh, very much a metropolitan area. The Guatemala City is like almost 3 million people. Uh, so it's a very big location, and if it did reach that place, it would be definitely catastrophic as it is already on those villages that were affected. But um, also to put it in perspective, you can still travel a lot closer to it than we are going to be. Um, the city like the Antigua, which would be about the equivalent to Lemon Cove from the volcano location, is still accessible. It was blanketed by ash, but it, they didn't close it. Um, the road closed to that area where the volcanic eruption was would be about Lake Kawea onward if we're putting it in perspective. So we are a little bit nervous about it, but um, it looks like, you know, where we're going and all of that is out of that particular harm's way. But the community there has definitely been affected by it because it's relevant to them. It happened there. Many people, I'm sure, in that city know those or at least of people that were affected, maybe even lost their lives in the blast. So um, it's definitely going to be a, a different type of situation with a, a kind of probably the overall feelings of the community there are probably going to be in a period of mourning, but people there still need to hear about Jesus, and we're hoping that maybe we can provide them some comfort and some hope. Also, um, some of our projects that we were initially going to do might be put on hold right now. Um, I was told that we've got to be a little bit fluid in what we're going to do. Maybe our efforts will be focused a little bit more in the area of relief versus maybe some other areas. But please keep that us in our prayers. Owen and I are flying out of Fresno 6 a.m. Thursday morning and are coming back Saturday night on June the 23rd. If you need to get a hold of me while I'm gone, I can be reached through email and social media. I will have Wi-Fi at the hotel uh, where we are staying. All right, with that all in mind, I was having a conversation, and it's actually a, a repeated conversation that I have with my children quite a bit. And it's the conversation where I tell them to do something and maybe they don't fully understand the command. Maybe they don't understand the why, as Curtis talked about this morning with, with the Lord's Supper. Maybe they don't like the command that I'm telling them. And the question that they often ask is, why? Right? And why is a good question. I'm not opposed to why. I'm a big proponent of why. I like knowing why something is going on. My entire life I've always questioned authority and everything like that because I like to know why and it needs to make sense to me before I'm going to do it. If not, I think you're lying. 
But sometimes, as a parent, when our kid says why, and we don't have time to explain, or we don't want to explain, or it's not the time or the place to explain, when the kid says why, what do we usually respond? Because I said so, right? Yeah, why? Because, I knew you were going to say that, right? Because I said so. And sometimes that holds weight. We're like, okay, well, I'm your parent. I said so, and you have to listen to me. But I was in a conversation with Xander, and I was asking Xander about this because I figure Xander has a good mind on all things theological. So I was asking Xander, I said, Xander, why do you do what I say? And I was hoping for some great response, you know, and he says, well, because I don't want to get in trouble. So I had to prompt him a little bit more. Well, why do you believe what dad is saying is true? Well, because you don't lie. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad you think I don't lie. It's a lie, but, um, you know, I'm glad you think that about me, and, and I'm glad you feel that way, but why else? What, what, would you say that you, you trust me? He goes, yeah, I trust you. Why do you trust me? And kind of going along the line, it kind of came down to the idea that, that he trusts me, believes what I have to say, and understands that I have his best interest in heart because I care and love him. And that's true, right? Children should be able to trust their parents. In a healthy parent-child relationship where the mom and dad, or at least one parent there is, is in the picture that they are a good you know, person, they should be trustworthy, right? Children should be able to trust their parents so when their parents tell them what to do, they trust that what they're telling them is, has their best interest in heart, right? It's the same way. Children should know that they are loved. As I was talking with Xander, you know, Xander goes, well, I know that you love me. And I said, that's true. And since I love you, you can trust that what I'm telling you is good. And there's a good reason for it. Children should know that they are loved. Children should know that their parents want what's best for them. And if they have all that in their mind, when we tell them as a parent to do something, hopefully they go, okay, I trust my parents. I know my parents love me. I know my parents want what's best for me. Therefore, I am going to listen to them. That's how it's supposed to be, right? And in fact, that's you know what Paul says to the Ephesian church. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So you have a command to obey your parents, but the obedience to the parents is based upon something greater than just the office of being a parent. I don't want my kids to do what I say just because I'm the parent and I said so. I want them to trust me. I want them to know that I love them. I want them to know that I care about them. I don't want them to obey me just out of fear of getting in trouble. Well, I better listen to Dad or my phone's going to get taken away. I better listen to Dad or I'm not going to be able to play Xbox. I better listen to Dad or I'm not going to be able to go jump on the trampoline. No, hopefully... They listen to me because the relationship that they have with me is built upon trust. So this morning, well, the point I want to get across in our lesson has to do with that very idea. See, in the parent-child relationship, the obedience of a child to his or her parent is based upon or equals trust. If you trust your parent, you're going to do what your parent says. If you don't trust your parent, you might not follow them because they're not trustworthy. I came across a quote in one of some of my reading this last week, and I thought this quote was pretty profound. Now, the background of this quote was very interesting, actually. It's a woman who, prior to, you know, changing how she was living, was living a, a homosexual lifestyle, um, was, you know, fulfilling those different desires that she has. And this article 
she talks about how there's still those desires and temptations there, but she has chosen to not act upon those and fulfill those desires that she has and, and to live a life differently from that now. And here's what she said in this article. She said, The obedience of faith only works when it is rooted in a person, not a rule. Imposed on its own, a rule invites us to sit in judgment, weighing its reasonableness. But a rule flowing from a relationship smooths the way for faithful obedience. When a child doesn't understand her mother's command, the mother's character plays a strong role in what happens next. A cruel, capricious mother is likely to meet resistance. But an affectionate, nurturing mother inspires trust because you know she is on your side profoundly. And what the woman in this article talks about, she goes, look, I don't fully even necessarily like all the commands, but I know that God loves me, and I know that He cares about me, and I know that God wants what's best for me, and because of that, I'm going to do what He says. I thought that was a good attitude. That's, that's the obedience of faith. See, we oftentimes obey out of this, this fear of punishment, but it's so much deeper than that. I obey out of trust. I trust God. I trust that God knows what's best for me. I trust that God knows me better than I know myself, and I trust that God loves me and is going to help me get to spend eternity with Him. Therefore, I follow what He says. Because God does tell us what to do. It's not that God's just, oh, I love you, do whatever you want. No, God does, does tell us what to do. A good parent tells his children what to do at times, right? It's not just, I love you, do whatever you want. No. And God is a faithful parent, and God does tell us what to do. He tells us how to treat people, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do not steal. You know, do not lie. He gives us commands. He tells us how to treat people. He tells us how to serve and how to worship Him. He told us how, so we follow how He tells us. It might not be the way that we would do it. It might not be the way that Cliff Saber would frame Christianity. But you know what? Cliff Saber is not the parent. God is. So I do what He says. God tells me how to live a pure life. You know, he says, you know, adultery is a sin. Uh, sexual morality is a sin. Lust is wrong. Don't go down that path, right? He tells me, oh, that might not be my natural inclination, but you know what? God tells me what to do, and God wants what's best for me, so I trust God. Remember, in a healthy parent-child relationship, obedience equals trust. So therefore, we ask the question this morning, do you trust your Heavenly Father? If you do, if you trust Him, you're going to obey Him. If we have a problem obeying Him, maybe deep down inside, we don't really trust Him. Maybe there's some reason in our life with some kind of betrayal in our past so we feel like we can't trust God. God is trustworthy. Maybe, maybe we don't have, feel He loves us because we weren't loved in the past. He does love you. He is loving. He is trustworthy. Do you trust Him? If you do, you will obey Him. With all that in mind, turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms. And I want to just share with you a few uh, selections from the book of Psalms this morning with the idea of if you trust God, you're going to obey Him. And I know obey is not a popular word uh, right now. You know, who can tell me what to do? You can't tell me, right? We are supposed to obey God. But our obedience to God is not based upon uh, uh, so much of just a terror and a fear, although God is to be feared. 
And although it is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of God, we do trust Him because we know that He loves us. Let me share with you a few passages. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust Him. You're trusting His will. You're trusting His way. You're trusting His word. Psalm 119, verse 42 says, So shall I have an answer for him who approaches me, for I trust in your word. Psalm 56, verse 4 says, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. Notice, all of these passages about trust have to do with what? His word. So, if you trust in God... You're going to trust His Word. And if you trust His Word, you listen to His Word. You do what His Word says. That's called obedience. Trust means you listen. I hope my children trust me. I hope that when they're going through something in their life and they need guidance, that if I sit them down and talk to them, they know that I can trust Dad. Dad cares about me, so therefore I am going to Listen. Now, the reason they listen is not because, well, I want to make Dad happy, or I don't know, don't want to just let him down. No, it's because they know I love them. They trust me. They believe that I have their best interest at heart. Why do we listen to God's Word? Because we trust Him. Because we know He loves us. Because we know that He knows what's best for us. Trust means you listen. Let's go on. Psalm 18, verse 2. It says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Again, we trust in Him. Chapter 44, verse 6. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. All of these psalms right here represent dependence. We depend on God. Trust means that you depend on... When my children are little, they absolutely depend on me. As they grow older, they become more independent, right? But they still have a dependence upon us. We are always in dependence upon God. And trust means that we depend. We depend on Him. Let's keep going. Psalm 4, verse 5 says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. The 40th Psalm in verse 3, it says, He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. When you trust in God, you also honor Him. You honor those people that you trust. You know, there's certain people in my life that I, I look up to. People that I know that care about me. People that I know that are trustworthy. And if you speak evil of those people, I'm going to defend them. I'm going to say, no, you don't have it right. That person over here, they're trustworthy. They're kind. They're loving. They deserve our honor. They deserve our respect, right? And that's how it is in, in, a, in a healthy family, right? The, the children should honor their parents. Their parents are deserving of that honor because they are trustworthy, loving, and kind. You also think about Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, also repeated in Ephesians chapter 6, 
where it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It says, Then that you will be long and full life in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Honoring our parents is a relationship that is based upon trust. We honor God because we trust Him. So what does all this mean? It means that just like in a healthy parent-child relationship, obedience equals trust. So let's ask the question again. Do you trust your heavenly Father? If you do, that means you're going to obey Him. If you do trust Him, that means you're going to follow what His Word says. That means you're going to pour over it and study it, seeking God's will in every aspect of your life. Whether it comes from all the relationships that you're in, how you interact with people in the world, how you behave on the job, how you act in the church, how we organize the church, and what we do as a church is all going to be based upon the fact that we trust our Heavenly Father and we obey Him. In Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 1 again, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Since we trust God, we obey God. Now that might seem too simple. That might seem, well, that, that, that's just too easy. It, it's probably the hardest thing that we can do. Because as human beings, I think we have this tendency to only trust in self. You read through the book of Romans. What's the issue there? They weren't trusting in Jesus for salvation. They were only trusting in themselves. We have to learn to trust. Now, sometimes we can't trust the people in our lives. Sometimes we can't even trust our parents because maybe it was some kind of a, a strained relationship there for some different reason. Maybe we can't trust those that are around us at all times. But you can trust God. And you must trust God. You know, another word for trust in Scripture is faith. Do you have faith in Him? Do you trust Him? If you do, you will obey Him. The lesson is yours this morning. We're going to sing an invitation song here in a second, and one of the elders will also be up here to meet you if you have a need. But do you trust in God? And are you willing to obey Him today? If you're not a Christian, come out of the obedience of faith, being baptized into Jesus Christ, having your sins washed away, because you trust what He did on the cross, because you can't save yourself. Or if you've been living a life of disobedience, come back to your Heavenly Father. Trust that He will forgive you. Trust that He still loves you. Trust that He wants to spend eternity with you. We need to be a people who trust and obey. Shall we stand and sing?